straight up the play. I'm gonna make a move. Before the first beer of the tailgate is cracked, before the fans swarm the stands, and before the Hawkeyes take the field, KGYM Sports Radio breaks down this weekend's Iowa football game. This is Before the Boom. Before the Boom. Here's your host, Spencer Wagan. Back again for the Circus Sports Iowa studio. It is Before the Boom podcast from KGYM here Ahead of, uh, well, the game leading into the bye week for the Iowa Hawkeyes as they take on the Illinois Fighting Illini from Champaign, 6.30 kickoff uh, from the land of the blue and orange in Champaign-Urbana. We'll preview that. We'll look back to the loss to number 4 Michigan at Kinnick Stadium and more coming up here on this week's edition of the show. Spencer Wagan, my name, host of... Spencer on Sports, weekdays 2 until 3 here at KGYM. Joined by Scott Unash and Mark Dukes. Guys, I feel like the three of us could have like a, a full podcast just complaining about our baseball teams uh, for 2022, <laughs> but we'll stay on topic this week. Oh, host- Todd. <laughs> yeah, Todd, too. All four of us. Uh, I guess, yeah. We, that's another, that's another show. Maybe the bye week show will be nothing but baseball complaints here uh, from before the boom. But uh, Scott and Mark are hosts of uh, of uh, the gym class weekdays from three until four. And uh, Todd Bromelkamp, I did not forget about your uh, baseball team's woes this year. They were twelve and three to end the year. Yeah. <laughs> Better than the Brewers, that's for sure. Oh boy, do we just dive into Spencer complaints about the Brewers here on the podcast? I don't know. Is this where we've gotten with the Iowa football team this <laughs> Maybe. year? Maybe. Nobody but... wants to talk about the Hawkeyes and the Illini. Okay. <laughs> Todd hosts uh, one part of the Todd Bravo Camp show with Alex Kuhn weekdays from 4 until 6 here on KGYM. I will say this podcast is guaranteed to be free of Aaron Judge cut-ins because he hit number 62 earlier in the week enough baseball talk guys we got to talk football here that's what this podcast is for uh and we're going to get into illinois here in just a bit a pretty important game uh for the hawkeyes and for the illini as well uh considering the point in the season at uh, where everybody's at right now but let's rewind to last saturday number four michigan coming into kinnick and uh, really from that first drive it seemed like it was michigan's day last week the 11 play 75 yard drive uh capped off with a touchdown run from ronnie bell Michigan uh, had had pretty firm control over that one. Iowa made it close, especially in that fourth quarter. Some opportunities missed, but uh, in all, Michigan was was clearly the better team last week. They were. Joel Klatt tried to save that game when Iowa cut it to twenty to seven, but uh, you never got the sense that Iowa was going to win that game. Uh, as so many football games are, it came down to the trenches. Mm-hmm. You outlined the first drive, Spencer. Set the tone. And that defensive line didn't allow much, if anything, certainly on the ground, to Iowa. Uh, Spencer Petras had an okay day, but more the same on the Iowa offensive side of the football. Michigan did what it needed to do. No turnovers, good sound football game, and got away with a good win. Michigan was a better team. Uh, No doubt about that. And uh, you know, twenty-seven fourteen ended up it. You know, twenty-seven-seven in reality because mm-hmm. Michigan basically laid back and let Iowa go down the field a little bit. I- Iowa did some things that were better. Uh, I like the fact they got uh, Nico Nico into. <laughs> we're just saying Nico <laughs> uh, into the game plan a little bit more. A uh, lot more uh, quick passes out in the flat. Thing lo- things like that. Still couldn't run the ball. Uh, against the Michigan team that was very, very quick 
and a Michigan uh, defense uh, that I thought was uh, the winning formula in that game. Uh, as far as the Iowa defense is concerned, they kept the Hawkeyes in it for the most part. Um, you know, could have been more than twenty to nothing. I think, uh, as far as uh, you know, going uh, into the third quarter is concerned. But um, Iowa never gave up. So feather in their cap for that. Had a chance to get it down to a one-score game. Couldn't quite do it. And then what good teams do, uh, They Michigan came right back, uh, got, the, uh, got the score that really put the nail in the coffin. Todd, you were there. Your takeaways from Saturday. Well, I think everybody's pretty much covered it at this point. There's not a whole lot of new ground to go over. You, know, you can look at Spencer Petrus's numbers from last week and say that he's statistically maybe he had his best game of the season. The detractors are going to say a lot of those yards and completions came in garbage time when Michigan was playing a prevent defense. They they hung around. I think you throw the the two touchdowns at the end, the last one for Michigan, the last one for Iowa out, just because of of when they came in in the game and everything. That was basically a twenty to seven game, mm-hmm. and that's the blueprint moving forward. I think for for Iowa is the defense needs to try to keep games low scoring, and the offense needs to try to find some points. They couldn't find enough to compete with Michigan last weekend, and now the question is, can they find enough points to compete with the other teams that are on their schedule? Yeah, the, the the defense did their job. We all talked about that last week. Uh, the number was twenty. Uh, you know, the final score says twenty-seven to fourteen. But as you said, you take away the 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 last two touchdowns, one from either team, and it was a twenty to seven game. So the defense held up their end of the bargain, held them to twenty uh, in uh, the portion of the game that I guess uh, you could say "quote unquote" really counted. Uh, but uh, you know, the offense still uh, still struggling struggling to find subtraction uh, against uh, against a really good defense uh, in, in Michigan. Uh, and uh, you know, it, it twenty four. What is twenty four carries for thirty five yards? Not going to get it done. Uh, if you want to uh, pull off an upset of a top team, you need all facets of the game clicking on all cylinders. You need to have probably a defensive score in there, uh, like we saw. You know, you think back to the the Ohio State game in twenty seventeen. How did things start? A pick six of the first play of the game. You need to have some sort of spark, some sort of juice, some sort of energy, and. There were no no turnovers in the game. Period. And the Iowa defense not able to to force any turnovers, and uh, that's certainly a, a story of the game as well. So, you know, we, we've covered uh, the Michigan loss, and now a look ahead to an Illinois uh, game and a team that is coming off a big win uh, against uh, the Wisconsin Badgers. So something they hadn't done in twenty years, uh, especially winning in Madison, the twenty year streak there. This is an Illinois team, guys. That uh, I mean, you look at the Big Ten West and how messy it is right now. They've got a real opportunity to see some momentum here and uh, really, uh, really stake their claim to this uh, this division, don't they? They do. And uh, going into last week, I, I I think most of us wondered about this Illinois team. It lost at Indiana, really tough loss there, and losses or, or victories over Wyoming, Virginia, and Chattanooga doesn't really, you know. Uh, um, don't disparage the moving mocks. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a terrific victory for Illinois at Wisconsin, resulting in Paul Chris firing as the Badger head coach. That and the Ohio State game. Um, <laughs> and and the Washington State games. game, too. Yeah. <laughs> but at any rate, Illinois finds itself in a position. I don't know what you guys think, but we in the last couple of weeks we thought Minnesota was the team to beat, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, in the West. Is it Illinois? It doesn't play Ohio State this year. 
Right. It does have to go to Michigan later in the year. But if it plays like it did against Wisconsin, two net yards rushing yeah. against Braylon Allen and that crew, I mean, Illinois or Wisconsin known for its offensive linemen, its running backs, uh, but terrific defensive performance, and I'm going to expect more of the same in terms of the approach that Illinois takes against Iowa. Iowa doesn't have a running back, does it? It's got three. And I wonder about the usage Caleb Johnson and the two Williams boys. Uh, who are you going to ride? I don't know. Well, Kirk was asked that uh, earlier in the week down in Iowa City, and um, he was happy with the running back room. They all have a specific role that they play, but yeah, I don't know. Do you go with the hot hand? Seems like uh, Gavin Williams is only in there on third downs now. Uh, he was your starter going into the bowl game last year. Uh, you got a freshman that has emerged. The thing about this Illinois team is the defense. Um, you know, much like last week with Michigan, this is a very similar defense. And maybe, obviously, not the five stars across the board, but uh, they're being coached up really, really well right now. And it's an Illinois team that uh, is only giving up 70 yards a game on the ground. Uh, they're number three right now defensively. Um, you know, those are numbers we haven't seen for the Illini in a long, long time. I mean, when Illinois was really cranking out some good teams that was offense that was all offense they outscored you now this is a completely different look with brett bielema and he's done a good job putting uh, the right coaches in the the right roles as far as the staff is concerned made some great hires and uh, you know i my hat's off to him i think he's uh, doing a tremendous job uh, in champagne todd what do you think about uh, this week's game just from initial an initial uh, standpoint well, I, I don't have a whole lot of reason to trust the Iowa offense going on the road. And when you go up against a team who is coming into its sixth game, having allowed just 42 points, which is somewhere their best scoring defense, somewhere between Red Grange and Dick Butkus, those years, what we're talking about with the Illinois Fighting Illini, <laughs> uh, it's, I think it's going to be a tough challenge for the Hawkeyes. I really do. I like this Illinois defense. I think there was no question when Brett Bielema got the job that he was going to make this a defensive-oriented football team. I like them on offense, though. I'm sure we'll talk about Chase Brown, but this turnaround in Champaign was going to be engineered by the defense, and you're seeing that, and they have to be just absolutely ecstatic that this Iowa offense is coming to town on Saturday night because the Iowa offense hasn't shown much this season. I think they're very confident that they're going to win this game. The other element, I think, is the home crowd mm-hmm. and a night game. They're giving away student tickets. Uh, what four tickets for 109 bucks? Ish. And Something I haven't been to Champagne for a game <clears throat> in a while. I know Todd has. It never has been a raucous atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Although a couple three years ago I was at a wedding in Champagne, and I believe that was a raucous atmosphere. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the cha- well, the Champagne <laughs> Five make it a raucous. But I atmosphere. think that's another element that I was going to have to overcome. Right. Well, you know, we saw the quote-unquote sellout with Rutgers, but I feel like this Illinois is actually making an effort to get fans into the stands. They're not just saying, oh, it's a sellout, and then you see those shots on TV, and it's like, wait, mm-hmm. where, are the, where are the fans? 
they're actually making an effort. They're getting students to the game. They're creating some buzz, some excitement. And like Todd said, I think Illinois expects to win this game and and get to five and one uh, on the season. It's usually like an Indiana atmosphere, isn't it, Todd? There are there are very few places around the Big Ten where the crowd can be taken out of a game as quickly as, mm. as in Champaign. And so I think that could be one of the things Iowa may be looking to do on Saturday night is to try to do something early because that crowd will lose interest and they will lose interest quickly if Illinois is not playing well. But it just seems like they're hungry for a winning football team there. It's been since, what, the, the mid-2000s when Ron Turner had things going really well there. And you saw Brett Bielema go to Wisconsin, and that was a big game for him. Didn't get to coach in last year's Iowa-Illinois game because of COVID. He had Kirk Ferentz's number toward the end of his tenure in Madison, mm-hmm. and this is now an opportunity for him to get another big program-defining victory. Well, you said um, the Illinois crowd needs to get into it early. I was taking Illinois out of the games over the last handful uh, of them, uh, just getting out to big leads and just kind of snowballing. Uh, things going downhill as far as the Illini are concerned. And, uh, yeah, that's what Kirk Ferentz wants to do again on Saturday night. Uh, can he get it done? We'll see. The Hawkeyes have won, of course, eight straight in this series, dating back to the loss in 2008. Uh, the, of course, they didn't play. Thank you, legends and leaders, between 2009 <laughs> and 2013. But uh, since 2014, there have been some close affairs in there. But uh, to your point, Scott, the 28-0 game in 2016, was that the no-kickoffs game in 2016 in Champaign? I feel like it was. I remember Riley McCarron had a punt return for a touchdown in that one. But then 46-16 at Kinnick in 2017, 63-0 the A.J. Epinesa uh, game where he just like threw a dude aside and poked the ball out and returned it for a touchdown. <laughs> 63 nothing there. A little bit closer in 2019 at Kinnick, 19 to 10. And then the uh, the COVID year, 35-21. Illinois had the lead in that one, but Iowa just stormed back and last year of course uh, at uh, at Kinnick was uh interesting game. I mean, Iowa was down 10 nothing early. Charlie Jones had the 100-yard kickoff return for the score. Of course, he's no longer part of the equation in Iowa City. Uh so, you know, it's going to be uh interesting to see if this Iowa offense if they fall behind early, they can answer because they don't have Mr. Charlie Jones to provide that spark. Or uh, if I, the Iowa offense falls behind early, can the defense uh, maybe get a score and 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 spark something uh, or create something for this Iowa team to uh, to bounce back from? If uh, we see a similar scenario this year, like we did last year, Iowa has owned Illinois, winning thirteen out of the last fourteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is not this team that I was going to face Saturday night does not resemble a lot of those teams in uh, those last fourteen games and Spencer yeah eight straight as well good success against Illinois different animal I think Saturday night you look at uh, the last time Illinois had a longer than a two a longer than a two game winning streak was in the early nineties ninety three ninety four ninety five. And then uh, they ran one, two in a row in 99-2000, but that was Kirk Ferentz's first two years. And then it's just been pure domination, aside from that 08 game uh, where it was the last second field goal. So Iowa's been the owner of this series for the most part, dating all the way back to the start of uh, Kirk Ferentz's tenure and even back into a good chunk of the Hayden Fry years uh, in, in Iowa City. We talk about the offense uh, and the struggles of the running game. We saw 
some some good efficiency from the passing game, especially late in the in the game against Michigan last week. And Spencer Petrus, who was asked earlier this week in Iowa City about how much this game Saturday night is going to rely on the passing game. I mean, there's, um, if there's opportunity down the field, you know, if that if we if we call a play, we're trying to attack downfield. Then if the opportunity is there, we need to cash in. Um, you know, it, it definitely feels like a you know at this point, you know, not done with my prep yet. And, you know, but it's starting to feel like a game where um, explosive plays are going to be critical. You know, kind of like when you play Wisconsin, where you know it's going to be tough to carve out every yard. So explosive plays can really help an offense. Uh, it feels like that might be the case this week. You know, we'll see. Um, we'll really see Saturday. But yeah, you know, man coverage. That's uh, if a team wants to defend you like that, you got to you got to attack it. You got to you got to win matchups, and I got to win my location. Spencer Petrus from earlier this week in Iowa City, and guys, you heard him say it there, carve out those yards. That's something, I know, Todd, I think you brought it up, you and Alex brought it up earlier this week. That's something you hear the opponent say about the the Iowa defense and how they attack the Iowa defense, and now you're hearing that uh, being described about how, how Iowa is going to attack an opponent. Kind of a reversal of roles here when you talk about Iowa facing Illinois and not the other way around, or any Big Ten opponent for that matter. Uh, in a season. Uh, they're really good on third down defensively, Illinois is. So that basically kind of gives you two shots to carve out those yards because on third down, they've been locking teams down. And we all know on fourth down, unless they're really deep into Illinois territory, Kirk Ferentz is going to lean toward using Tory Taylor. So the opportunities, I think, are going to be limited against this Illinois defense. And so, yeah, you have to, if you're Brian Ferentz, you have to come up with a game plan to figure out how you're going to slice away some yards here and there, which probably isn't going to make fans happy because they want to see Iowa take more shots downfield and open things up. But I do think this is going to be a sort of a get your three yards here, get six yards here type of game where if they can slowly, methodically move the ball, maybe they have one of those drives that we've seen Iowa State and Michigan have against the Iowa defense this year. Maybe that gives them an opportunity on Saturday. Third and long is not going to be Iowa's friend. I mean, it's not anybody's friend. We know that. But, uh, yeah, I agree, especially in this game. Uh, if you get anything third and six and beyond, uh, Illinois is going to tee off. And they're going to do a lot of different things, a lot of different looks. They tend to put eight, nine in the box. They're going to make Spencer Petrus beat him. Uh, there's no doubt about that. We talked to Bob Asmussen earlier this week, and he reiterated that fact. Uh, he thinks that's the game plan. Hey, stop Iowa's running game, make the quarterback beat you, and I think we're going to see that a lot on Saturday night. Yeah, Iowa's uh, 30% in third down conversions. Uh, couple that with uh, what Todd said about Illinois' defense on third down. That makes it tough, no doubt about it. Brian Ferentz has had all week, as he does most weeks, to develop a game plan against this defense it's probably going to put eight or nine in the box and i saw i don't know about you guys but i thought i thought spencer petrus was more effective when there was motion when he was rolling out to his right hitting laporta hitting lachey hitting uh ragadini nico 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 r uh i thought that that's when he was most successful and instead of sitting back as as a statue Nico R was on season twenty of The Bachelor, right? Was he? I, I, I don't, don't watch The Bachelor. Okay. So. <laughs> Mark, <laughs> I'm gonna go. With I'm the that. only one in here that doesn't watch The Bachelor. No, you. 
Okay, all right. <laughs> He's 50% of the, of the studio <laughs> for the boob here on uh, KGYM and uh, wherever you get your podcasts. So we talked about the Illinois defense. We, we can't uh, not talk about the Illinois offense because this has been uh, a group that's been very good this year. And, uh, you know, all the attention goes to Chase Brown, and, and he's a fantastic uh, running back. But Tommy DeVito, guys, uh, you know, uh, Illinois has had – you look at the quarterbacks they've had, you know, you think back to like Juice Williams, uh, back when they got to the Rose Bowl and was it 2009 under under Ron Zook and you know, then it's just been kind of a circle of, you know, like okay, is this guy the answer? Nope. Is this guy the answer? Nope. Mark and I are going back to Jeff George, Jeff by the George. way. Jeff <laughs> George. You know, I mean Brandon Peters last year, you like a Wes Lunt. Uh, you know, we're remembering some Illini here on the on the podcast, but it's not been a stable position, and you look at the quarterback position, it's essential to success for, for any team. And Tommy DeVito coming in from Syracuse has has been very good for this team. And been, I know when you guys talked to Bob Asperson earlier this week, it's been the stabilizing factor. I think Bob said that. And uh, that's key, but he's the, the, you know, the key that makes the engine you know turn, and then you give the you put the offense, you go down the field and you got Chase Brown. And, and a very good uh, good running back for this this Illini team and a dynamic receiver absolutely yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about this Illini offense what have you seen obviously they've put up some points uh, this year not blowing teams out of the water but uh, they, they've been able to do it and they've been opportunistic uh, coming off turnovers I think Wisconsin had what three turnovers last week they scored 17 points off of those so uh, they they know how to get the job done certainly on offense it's an experienced offense. Uh, you mentioned DeVito coming in and transferring in, and you know he's a senior. Brown's been there. Um, just across the board, it's been a it's an Illinois offense that has seen everything uh, so far. And you know what's the best thing for a quarterback? Great running game, mm-hmm. and that's what Illinois has. Uh, Brown's uh, about 750 yards right in there anyway, and you you know compare that to when was the last time Iowa going into the sixth game? And a leading rusher that was barely over 200 yards, and you know that's what the difference. One of the differences is be, between these two offenses. Illinois has got a good offensive line. They got a yep. veteran. Yep. They got a sixth-year guy up there, and they can really open some lanes. And not only in the running game. You mentioned Devito. I think he's the only quarterback in the Big Ten. I saw this stat earlier in the week with nine touchdown passes and three rushing touchdowns. So he can beat you through the air, but he can also make some things happen on the ground. Yeah, his stat line in Madison last week was crazy because he had seven rushes for, what, minus two yards, but scored three touchdowns. So if you're playing collegiate fantasy, he had had a good week. But seven rushes for minus two yards really isn't going to get it done, uh, all things considered. But uh, an important piece uh, to the puzzle there. Jack Campbell, uh, Iowa linebacker, asked about the Illini offense earlier this week in Iowa City. Here's uh, the uh, linebackers' take on uh, what they're facing in Illinois this week. Yeah, I mean, you, you got really, really solid guys in, in every single position. Uh, I mean, I feel like it starts up front for them, for them though. Uh, they, have, they have a running back who I'm pretty sure leads the nation in run, uh, rushing right now. Um, a big physical back, just 
the yard after contact um, with that guy uh, is truly remarkable, and he can make some some pretty pretty amazing plays with his feet and cutting ability. Um, so it starts right there, and then the receivers uh, they got a couple transfer guys come in, and uh, just really good athletes too. Young guy, there's a couple of young receivers in there. Uh, their quarterback is a veteran. Uh, he's seasoned uh, transfer guy, but he he's very. Composed in the pocket, I feel like, and um, just with all, and the tight ends, they got they got a, a, gr- a great group of tight ends, and um, so so every position group is going to hold a challenge, and there's really no weakness on this team. So um, right now, just coming out here and having great practices, what, what we need to be doing and what we are doing. Jack Campbell from earlier this week in Iowa City, guys. What's the number the Iowa defense has to hold them to? Is it 20 again this week? What do you think? Is there a number for <laughs> Illinois? <laughs> I think it's less than that. I think so, too. I'd say 17-ish. 16, maybe. Two touchdowns, two two-point conversions, or two safeties, however you want to play know. play the game. That's in play. Todd, <laughs> their number this week? Three, and let me check the wind before the game. <laughs> I, I, just, I mean, yeah, it's definitely less than 20. I, I, until, until they show me, I cannot in good faith, pick Iowa to win a game on the road the rest of the way in Big Ten play until the offense starts to show a little life. Is this a must-win for Iowa? Considering considering where they're at, going into the bye week, you've got Ohio State uh, after the bye week, a game that, uh, you know, we're not talking Ohio State this week, but I don't think anybody in this room is going to pick Iowa to go in and stun the world. Is this a must-win for Iowa at this point in the season? What a great question. Um, boy, you'd love to have it. I mean, they they were talking about splitting up the season into two six-game you know increments uh, with the bye week kind of tucked in the middle, and it is tucked in the middle right there. Um, Worked out nicely that way. It <laughs> wasn't yeah, done by design. But <laughs> and Kirk said on Tuesday, he goes, boy, you feel a lot better going into uh, some time off with a win instead of a loss. Everybody feels that way, but... This is one of those season changers, though. I, I just have a feeling that's one of those season changers. It's here. a pivotal game for both teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Illinois going to be a player in the West? It needs a win. They got to win at home against Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, Iowa loses. It's looking staring three and four in the face <clears throat> with um, maybe only favored one or two times down the stretch. Right. You could see this really spir- spiraling out of control. Uh, I don't think it will. But yeah, I just think it's a hugely pivotal game for both teams. Well, you want to have six tucked away before Black Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want. Yeah, you don't want the Nebraska game to decide bowl game or or going home. A little scheduling quirk here. Iowa is the only team in the West that has not played a division game yet. So they have all six starting Saturday night. They have all six West division opponents. So we talk about that log jam with all the teams that are one and one. Mm-hmm. Iowa has the Big Ten West in front of it this at this point, and still, I checked the odds earlier today. They're fourth among Big Ten West teams to win the Big Ten title game. You can't bet the uh, West Division winner anymore, mm-hmm. but uh, the Minnesota still has the path with the schedule, and then uh, you've got. I believe Illinois and Purdue also had better odds than Iowa at this point. But if you're the Hawkeyes, that's how you build this up. If you're Kirk Ferentz, you win Saturday night, you knocked off Illinois, and now you've got the other five teams in your division ahead of you after the bye week. I'll ask you guys this. is there Take out Ohio State. 
all the Big Ten West games. There's not a game Iowa can't win, but there's also a game Iowa could lose out of all those. Does that make any sense? They they could lose every game. They could, they could lose win every game. any of yeah. those games, yeah. but they can win any of those games. Northwestern at home. Northwestern gives you fits no matter how bad they are. Purdue, we know the the history there going on to, on the road to West Lafayette. Charlie Jones, all you know how how well Purdue matches up with Iowa, Wisconsin. That's going to be six to three final, uh, at least in my humble opinion at this point. Depending on how Wisconsin is, like if you're Iowa, I you know I think maybe you would have rather played Wisconsin in the early part of the season when they're still a little vulnerable. Not saying all their issues are going to be worked out because they made the coaching change, but. You know, Wisconsin has been one of those teams. Like, you know, maybe they they hit a, hit a corner and they turn that corner and they ramp up, and maybe they're the team that gets into the Big Ten title game as the West Division representative. We don't know. At Minnesota is going to be a really tough game. You know, PJ Fleck and the Gophers want to face, uh, will want to win that pig uh, and get it back. And then Nebraska. You know, like you said, Scott, if that comes down to it, I mean, Nebraska. They look. You know, they played Indiana last week, so it's like, okay, did. Do we learn anything about the Huskers? You know, the the terrible defense they have is not going to get better in the span of, you know, one week to two weeks, but they played better. Uh, Casey Thompson looked good. They had some good receiving uh, they, performances. They also too. looked like they wanted to be there and wanted to play yes. hard. Yes. And Oklahoma, you know, we can't figure out Oklahoma either because they just gave up 600 yards and 55 points to TCU, but Oklahoma was, uh, was playing really well when they faced Nebraska and that's uh, going to be a tough game, regardless. So I, am, I know we we film this on we get together on Thursdays, and Nebraska and Rutgers play on Friday. I'm yep. trying to figure out how Rutgers is the home underdog in that game. Yeah, that's that that's that's tough for me to believe. Rutgers has played pretty well uh, this season. They've got three wins uh, under their book. They've had two tough games, taking on Iowa and then and playing at Ohio State. So uh, it's. Uh, you know, it's uh, interesting to see. If Nebraska. you're watching or listening to this on Saturday and you know the results of the Rutgers Nebraska <laughs> game, and it doesn't jive with what we just said, just completely ignore it. it that's a good part for that Aaron Judge cut in. We just need the Judge Reinhold one is still on the <laughs> board it? from earlier in the I'll week. To, if you want to use I'll have that, to throw that in. I have to throw that in. But winning uh, the West isn't all too appetizing, is it? No, I mean, I mean, it's get to nice, play Ohio State. Nice feather in your cap, but. <laughs> We think Ohio State. <laughs> it could be, it could be Michigan. It could be Penn State. No, I don't think Penn State's gonna gonna come out of there. But uh, is it really? Do you really want to win the West? I don't see. I mean, I know the Big Ten doesn't like that loser of the championship game to fall below like the Citrus Bowl in the bowl pecking order. Mm-hmm. I just cannot see a situation this year in which the Big Ten makes that happen. I mean, you're looking at whoever wins the Big Ten West. You're likely facing Ohio State in the championship game. You're likely getting waxed, just like Iowa did last year against Michigan. I mean, is the Outback Bowl the the highest the Big Ten West? Is that the pinnacle of the season for the Big Ten West this year? It just might be. Yeah. Might be. That or the Citrus Bowl or something along those lines. You're going to have... Uh... Michigan, presumably Ohio State wins the 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 East. Yeah, you're gonna have Penn State. Might even have Maryland yeah. ahead of anybody in the West. They still have to play Ohio State. Yeah, Penn State too. But I, I mean, I think Maryland would be a lot better if they played in the Big Ten West this year. <laughs> they would. They would. They might win the West. 
considering how that team is. Well, we'll uh, look at the rest of the Big Ten schedule here momentarily. Do want to shout out to our sponsor of the Before the Boom podcast. It's brought to you by Edith Lucille's Bait Shack and Wing Depot. Hidden Treasure in the banks of Squaw Creek. They've got down-home meals for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Friday night special of Season Prime Rib. It's been smoking all day long. Or give their Saturday night special smoked barbecue br- uh, brisket a try for great food and hospitality. In a rustic, family-friendly atmosphere, come to Edith Lucille's Bait Shack and Wing Depot. they got carry-out available for you, too. Menu is at baitshackfun.com. All right, guys. Todd, you mentioned uh, Nebraska at Rutgers. Saturday, Michigan, the perennial Big Noon kickoff team. Uh, they are on Big Noon kickoff for, what, the third week in a row, I think? They're taking on Indiana in Bloomington. Uh, Purdue and Maryland should be a rather intriguing game there. That's a BTN kickoff game at uh, 11 a.m. Wisconsin, the Jim Leonard era, at least the interim era, begins in Evanston, a place that has not been a good time for uh, the Badgers in uh, in uh, in recent history. 2.30 kickoff there against the Wildcats. And then Michigan State, Ooh, yikes, trying to avoid four straight losses, but they've got Ohio State this week coming into East Lansing. What stands out to you guys from the Big Ten slate this week? I hope Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt have a lot of filler material. <laughs> <laughs> Purdue and Maryland. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Mel Tucker's contract. <laughs> I agree. I tell yeah. you what, there's going to be rumblings, man. People are looking at that fine print on that contract right now especially if they get you know absolutely curb stomped which they probably will by ohio state i was saying this on on the show earlier this week spencer on sports uh look at the rest of michigan state's schedule they're they've got two wins they need to get four more to just to get to six and six with the schedule they have remaining i don't think there are six wins there because they still have to play michigan uh, they still have to play ohio state obviously they still have to play uh penn state and I don't, I don't see it no. with with their schedules. So. Before or after you complained about the Brewers? Uh, I think it was before, okay. but it gets all it's it's all jumbled up. But uh, that is uh, the Big Ten slate. We'll report back. Uh, no, no podcast next week. We're taking we're taking our own bye week. We'll have reaction, of course, to the game Monday and all throughout the week, and uh, kind of a, a mid season assessment of the Iowa football team. Uh, coming up on our local programming, but we'll reconvene coming up uh, the week to follow for the Ohio State game here with the Before the Boom podcast. But before we, uh, before we send you off to enjoy the football game Saturday, we got to get our predictions. Who wins and why, guys? Iowa, Illinois, and Champaign under the lights. Who's coming out victorious? I think Brett Bielema is on to something here. I wasn't convinced early in the season, but uh, trying not to read too much into that. Wisconsin game, but how can you not? Uh, the way Illinois performed at home, at night, um, riding a lot of confidence. I think it's going to uh, be a defensive game, uh, but I think Illinois will prevail 17-13. Yeah, the Brett Bielema uh, tour continues of uh, checking off boxes. Got Wisconsin last week. Really wanted that one. Has a lot of respect for Kirk Ferentz in Iowa. Obviously, uh, being an alum, playing for the Hawkeyes, he still wants this game, though, badly. And it's stacking up really, really nicely for the Illini. And uh, I'm with Todd until the Iowa offense shows me they can put 20 or more up. Uh, I don't see them winning this game on the road. I think it's uh, 21-13 Illinois getting the victory. Low scoring, not very fun to watch. Uh, 
I think you're looking at you know, 20. If Illinois gets to 20, it's going to be a really good game for them, I think, against the Iowa defense. But 2014, 19, 16, somewhere in that range, Illinois. Yeah, I, I, we're going to be across the board picks for the Illini here, which means Iowa will come out win 75-3 to or something crazy like that. But uh, I just, again, I'll echo what, what Scott and Todd said. I can't. Can't pick Iowa in good faith against a good team on the road. They won at Rutgers, but Rutgers is Rutgers. This is Illinois. They're playing much better football. and um, Tough tough for me to put a number on it. I've been kind of going back and forth about what I think. But I'll say Illinois 21, Iowa 10. That's my prediction. So Hawkeyes uh, with uh, with another loss. And, uh, well, going to be an interesting week, two weeks here leading into the Ohio State game if that does come true for all of our predictions here uh, on the uh, on the uh, program. Uh, guys, any final thoughts before we sign off for the week? Looking forward to the bye week. I think I was looking forward to the bye week. <laughs> it's a pivotal game. Uh, it's Yeah, we all picked Illinois, but can you see Iowa winning? Yeah, you can see them. they got to get off to a good start. Got to get off to a good start in this game. Can't play catch-up against this team uh, defensively. I think the Brewers need to give Craig Council another year or two to get things figured out. <laughs> I'd rather anything other than Iowa football at this point. Yeah. Let's talk anything other than Iowa football. I'm I'm excited to see Bryce Terang in the major leagues next year. Uh, yeah. Brewer baseball on the Iowa football podcast. Gotta love it. Thanks for checking out the show. Appreciate it. And we'll be back in a couple weeks leading into the Ohio State game. Enjoy the game. KGYM Sports Radio brings you the best in Iowa football pregame programming with the Before the Boom podcast. Listen to the podcast each week before Iowa takes the field. Available on the KGYM app or wherever you get your podcasts.